Welcome to Clef Talk, bringing you discussions on the topics that adults affected by cleft lip and or cleft palate have told us matter to them. Brought to you by the Cleft Lip and Palate Association as part of Clapper's Adult Services Programme. Cleft Talk is presented by Kate Flanagan and Nikki Davis and produced by Kenny Ardwin and proudly funded by the VTCT Foundation. Hello and welcome. My name is Nikki Davis and I'm the Adult Services Officer at Clapper. Together with my colleague, Kenny Ardwin, we're excited to bring you, for the last time, a very exciting episode of Clef Talk, brought to you by Clapper's Adult Services Project, proudly supported by the VTCT Foundation. Clef Talk is your opportunity to learn more about the topics that adults born with a cleft across the UK told us are important to them through the Adult Survey and Roadshow. We hope that you find this podcast both entertaining and informative. Remember that you can keep up to date with the Adult Services Project online, including listening to this and other panel discussions again at www.clapper.com forward slash Adult Services Project. You can also join the conversation at Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Clapper Adults. Today on the programme, we're excited to bring you our Christmas special where we'll be talking about them Christmas disasters that I'm sure we've all experienced. What supportive advice we can give if you will be spending Christmas self-isolating and we'll be reflecting back on some of the feedback that you guys at home have told us about Clef Talk. It's our pleasure to welcome our panel guests, Nicholas Stuck and Che Leroy to our podcast. Do you mind telling everyone what you do in your background, please? I'm Cherry. I'm the Regional Services Manager for Clapper. Um, so my role is supporting the regional team to deliver um, services for everyone affected by cleft across the UK. Um, I've also been working with the volunteers and the Clapper community in the southeast for the last five years. In the past, I've worked in the voluntary sector for over 23 years, supporting families and working with volunteers who want to make a difference in their local community. Oh, thank you and welcome. This is your first thank podcast you. with the Cleft Talk, so we're excited. <laughs> and uh, Nicola. So I'm Nicola Stock. Um, I'm a senior research fellow at the Centre for Appearance Research, which is based at the University of the West of England in Bristol. Um, my background is in psychology um, and I've worked with Kenny and Nikki on this project uh, for a number of years now, um, specifically uh, trying to provide uh, the research to support the interventions that they've put into place. Oh, thank you. And it's great to have both of you here on our, on our very last podcast <laughs> for Cleft Talk. <laughs> so we're going to start with the questions now. So this is a question um, to both of you. Um, so what does Christmas look like in your family household? Okay, so we're quite traditional in our household, um, always have a real tree um, and my grown up daughter will not let me uh, decorate it because it has to be colour coordinated, <laughs> she's very particular about that. So this year we've got lots of blue tree decorations, I went out and bought a few and then I bought a few more and I think we've got more blue than anything else now. Um, but when my children were small, it was one day of the year when they're, you know, they were a bit more free, the tree was covered with preschool decorations much you know much less uh, 
finesse than there is now. But also I live in a very small street and every household in the street does outside lights. Um, last year we raised about um, £7,000 for the local hospice um, wow. and HUK. Wow. Unfortunately, yeah. this year, due to the pandemic, we decided not to do it just because last year on Christmas Eve, it was like Piccadilly Circus. And um, so we <laughs> felt that there wouldn't be much social distancing. So this year, it's a very tame affair. We've got one tree instead of the whole outside of the house decorated. Oh, amazing. I love seeing them outside decorations as well. I think it's they're so cool. Definitely yeah makes the festive season a little bit more a little bit more nicer and um so this this next question is for you cherry and um, what do you look forward to the most and um, for me christmas is about spending time with fr friends and family um obviously mm -hmm. this year that's going to be a bit different as well um yeah. but um i'm lucky that that both my adult children will be here so we'll have a, a nice time together probably spend playing a few board games um, with a very traditional menu. Um, mm. When the children were young, Christmas Day was the one day that they were allowed to eat chocolate for breakfast. I wasn't fussy on that day, but that was about the only day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. That sounds really nice. And what about you, Nicola? What does Christmas look like in your household? Yeah, so actually, while I was growing up, uh, it sounds very similar to Cherry's Christmas. We always had quite a traditional one, and it was very lovely. But actually, now I kind of, you know, <laughs> allegedly become an adult. Um, <laughs> it's kind of become very different. So actually, we've had um, quite an international Christmas over the last few years, um, because we've got family kind of all over the place. Uh, so our most recent one was a road trip to Germany, which was really cool. Um, kind of packed up our car and drove uh, we took a ferry to the Netherlands drove through Germany and all round to visit various aunts and uncles and cousins um, and then back through Belgium uh, to get home so I would say our Christmases are actually quite untraditional at the moment um, but obviously we'll be doing a lot less international travel this year mm. yeah no definitely oh hopefully hopefully soon <laughs> we'll be able to go soon. away again <laughs> and um, so this um, this question is for you, Nicola. Um, Christmas can also be a very stressful time with many things going wrong. So have you had any disasters in the past? For example, could be anything like the turkey burning and not having enough room in your fridge or just get doing that last minute dash to the shops to get a present? <laughs> yeah, so those are all really good examples. Um, and I knew in advance that you were going to ask me this question. I've really been <laughs> racking my brains on this one. But I honestly can't think of a good disaster story for you. I feel like I've really <laughs> let you down. Um, but uh, maybe if you come back to me again in a year's time, because I had a baby about a year ago, uh, and this year will be her first Christmas. And she's already quite a troublemaker, so I'm sure she can get up to uh, some mischief um, and will give me some stories for the future. Yeah, oh, definitely. Oh, we look forward to that. We'll look forward to hearing them. <laughs> I mean, for your sake, the Clara, please, that you've never had a Christmas disaster. Some of us have had moments where we remember why we only come together once a year. <laughs> Yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite lucky in that respect. <laughs> because I'm always on holiday. <laughs> it, that's the secret to it, perhaps. It's the uh, secret. Yeah, 
Now, we all know that this year has not gone to plan for everyone, to say the least. Um, and it's been a really difficult year that no one could have predicted. Um, Sherry, for people who find, who usually find Christmas a lonely period, I imagine that this year could be even more so. What advice would you say to people who may be worried about this? Yeah, I think it's going to be very strange Christmas for many people this year. Um, for me, though, I think I can handle a situation much better if I'm prepared. Um, so if I sort of think ahead, um, I remember one Christmas when um, I knew my children weren't going to be around. So I kind of really planned for that. And so I was ready for it when happened when it happens so it's about maybe if you know that you're not going to be able to be with those you'd like to be with thinking about what you can do instead of what you can't do so maybe you can arrange to go for a socially distanced walk with somebody um, then plan a treat for when you return maybe a nice meal or a film you have you've wanted to watch for a long time or maybe a long leisurely bath that you don't normally have time for Perhaps plan a few things in advance, a video call with family or friends whilst you're having a meal or drinks or snacks together, arranging an online game like bingo or charades or a festive quiz, something like that. Sometimes I think helping other people is rewarding. So maybe you could arrange to um, be a volunteer for somebody like Age UK who have a befriending service where you have a weekly chat to an older member of the community or do some festive baking and share it with family and friends and neighbours. I know in my local community, um, somebody's been knitting um, Christmas tree decorations and just dropping them. And she's called the Knitting Nana and she just drops Aww. them everywhere and people find them. So it's, you know, it's, sometimes it makes you feel better if you're doing something for somebody else, I think. Mm -hmm. um, or, some, you know, I was thinking music always makes me feel good as well. So maybe making a playlist of all the songs that you love to play whilst you're doing something you don't enjoy doing. So maybe when you're doing the washing up or something, have, you know, something you can dance along to, something like that. But if you're worried about someone, then find some support systems for them. It might be that they need to start arranging an appointment with their GP or someone they can talk to as a good listener. Depending on their situation, they may need more specialist support. So maybe the Samaritans, or if, you know, we know that, that um, people have been struggling a lot more in abusive relationships during the pandemic so women's aid and refuse are specific charities that can help with that or the local citizens advice bureau there are always support avenues available online too sometimes just joining a forum or a social media group with like-minded people where you can chat to people who understand your situation can be very supportive definitely uh, thank you very much for that clary it's all all really good advice and of course our clapper facebook pages um are around throughout the the christmas period you'll find like-minded people on on there to talk to um i think we also spoke a little bit about this last year as well in the sense of of not putting too much pressure on your, yourself either and feeling that there's expectations on things that you should or shouldn't do um at christmas time and really to do like you say sherry what's right for you do the things that you enjoy actually make it quite a, a chill day take take some of the pressure off and maybe I guess see this year with it being a bit different as a bit of an opportunity to have a, that kind of slightly more low-key Christmas that you've always secretly wanted to have without all the pressures of having you know 30 40 people around for, for Christmas dinner or, or whatever and you know remembering as well that at the end of the day it is just one day 
um and that you know you you needn't put all that that pressure on yourself and just to to do absolutely what what makes sense for you on that day maybe i think sometimes turning social media off because i think sometimes social mm-hmm. media just makes the situation seem worse if you're looking at everybody else supposedly having a good time my view on that is always if people are posting on social media they can't be having such a good time so maybe it's a day to turn it off Mm, mm, exactly and it's Mm. always the rose tinted glasses you know nobody is posting their christmas disasters on on social media no (laughs) um nicola obviously as well there'll be a lot of people at the moment who feel pretty vulnerable be self-isolating perhaps a bit concerned about you know slightly increased movement around christmas time with people kind of um you know going to extend their bubble slightly and and interact with other family members um what would you recommend to people who feel particularly worried about the pandemic to cope with this difficult season yeah i think this year has been especially difficult hasn't it for those people who's health is particularly at risk. And I think Christmas is one of those times of year where being on your own, if you're self-isolating, you know, if you're trying to kind of keep away from that, the hubbub, um, that could feel even more challenging. Um, What I think is actually really useful is the advice that we're given around supporting our mental health or other people's mental health is actually really the same regardless of the circumstances we're in. So as Cherry mentioned, you know, we know that social connection is essential to our well-being. So it might be quite a different kind of connection right now in that you could be on a video call rather than seeing someone in person. But, you know, if you're able to reach out to Uh, Try to make sure you have a chat with a friend or a neighbor over the garden wall or, you know, a family member at least once a day. Um, Cherry mentioned to limit the use of social media. I think it can be a great way of connecting. Uh, But if you start to notice, you know, maybe you're on there a bit too much, you're starting to feel a bit low. uh, as, As Cherry says, just give yourself a break from it for a little while. Um, looking after our physical health, always very important for our mental health. Um, so, uh, I think making sure, you know, we're trying to eat as healthy as we can, which to be fair, can be quite challenging at Christmas. Um, Mm. and also keeping active, even if it's, you know, a quick stretch in the living room. Um, there's lots of online video workouts that I actually find quite helpful, um, that are tailored to age and fitness levels. They can be done anywhere. Um, And you'll get that physical hit of good chemicals and you'll feel better for having taken care of yourself um, and your body. Um, And then if, you know, you're not self-isolating, if you can get out of the house, even if it's just really in your own garden, spending time outdoors in nature, if you can, is a real mood booster. Um, Other ideas, uh, we know that a good sleep routine can really help um, if you can get into it. Um, And so can finding kind of different ways to relax and reduce any stress. So um, as some people, uh, sorry, some people enjoy mindfulness or meditation practices. Um, Others enjoy listening to an audio book or as Cherry said, making a really good playlist of all your favorite songs. Maybe trying something creative that you've wanted to try for a while. Um, Having a bath, cooking a meal, all these types of things are good ways of helping you just switch off a little bit and relax. Um, And I think finally, something I found really helpful during the pandemic kind of more generally, uh, is just to remind myself that I'm I'm really not alone in this situation. I mean, everyone in the world has been affected by this pandemic. So I try to practice gratitude for the things I do have and remember that the restrictions we're currently facing, they won't last forever. 
Exactly. And I think as well this year will feel very different for a lot of people for, for Christmas. And I think we just have to acknowledge that as well. And as you say, recognize that it won't be forever. But as we say, that will, you know, for some people throw what is already quite a stressful time um, into something that's that's much more stressful. Um, Cherry mentioned before some of the support mechanisms that are available but if anybody is feeling the need to reach out and access some support what other systems would you recommend? So based in the UK I think Mind is a fantastic charity Uh, they've got lots of general tips for mental well-being Um, they also have a specific coronavirus hub with additional resources for dealing with some of the uncertainty surrounding coronavirus and lockdown and how to kind of cope with those restrictions that are being placed on our daily lives. Um, And Cherry also mentioned the Samaritans. They have a 24-hour helpline that's fantastic and also lots of online resources uh, to help people try to cope with the situation we're in. So those are just two of the sources that uh, are available. Thank you very much to you both for that. And we do recognise as well that there are a number of people who listen to this podcast internationally and just to reiterate that there are services available um, in many countries across across the world. So um, if you just um, Google, you know, mental health crisis or, or things like that, you should get things that are local to you popping up. So this next question is um, for everyone, really. Um, so on the, post- on the podcast we've done over the past few months, which one do you think has been most helpful and supportive to you and why? And we'll start with Cherry. Okay, for me, I think it's probably the one around relationships, um, because often I feel that that's a subject that people feel a bit embarrassed or awkward to talk about. Um, And we know from, you know, a lot of the cleft community um, that get in touch with us, um, this is a big issue for them. So I think it's great that it's been addressed. and, you know, it helps people understand that they're not the only ones that it's happening to. Um, it's happening to lots yeah. of other people out there. Because sometimes I think when you're in that situation, you just feel it's just happening to you. Um, mm. So, you know, there are there are like-minded people within the community that they can reach out to and actually say, yes, it's happened to me. That's how I feel too. And sometimes I think mm. that's really a good way of helping you to start to, to kind of overcome some of those issues. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, Nicola, do you have your one of your favourite ones that you think that's been most supportive and helpful and why? I think it's quite difficult to pick one, isn't it? Um, in it both is really seasons, hard. <laughs> in both seasons, you know, you've covered so much great content. Um, and I think, as Cherry said, I've just really loved that you haven't been afraid to talk about the really difficult stuff. You know, no topic is taboo. And I, I really appreciated that. Um, I think one of the episodes for me this season that stood out has been the COVID-19 episode um, because it was such a perfect response to some of the challenges that people have been up against this year. Um, Not just the challenges that affect all of us, which I personally found really helpful, um, but also those that are specific to having been born with a cleft, such as questions around mask wearing, for example. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also really liked the interactive Q&A sessions that you had on emotional well-being and physical health as well. So I'm really glad that those will be continuing. Yeah, definitely. Oh, thank you. And Kenny, do do you have a favourite one or do you have one that that kind of stands out, stands out to you? 
Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to name name two, if that's right, because what the one from a personal perspective and then one from a I'm really pleased we did that sort of perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one from a personal perspective is is the one we did on genetics. I found that to be a really interesting topic. And of course, kind of with reaching the age where in the next kind of few years, I'll be starting to think about, you know, the possibility of, of having children and what that means to me. I actually found that to be a really interesting podcast to kind of understand a bit better um not only the supports available and where to turn to kind of learn more about my own individual circumstances but to get a broad overview of kind of what the general kind of feeling is and what the general research is telling us we can reasonably expect and I think that's a really useful tool to kind of go into and get into your mind when you're starting to think about some of these big big life decisions like Mm -hmm. that um, I think the other one that I'm really pleased we did, I mean, I'm proud of all of them, obviously, but um, I think the one that I'm really pleased that we gave a voice to was the one on imposter syndrome um, about living with, you know, just a cleft palate. Um, because I think it's something we've seen time and time again throughout Clapper is we know that the, the isolated cleft palate population is the largest group in terms of people who have cleft but they actually make up a very small proportion of the people who we see coming through Clapper. Um, and we're not quite sure why that is. Is it because people with an appearance um, difference are more likely to feel that they need the supports that we offer? Or is it that we're not catering as well as we could be to the, the isolated cleft palate population? And um, I think, you know, in no small part, that the second there is, is true. Um, and so it was really nice to actually provide that platform um, for people who might be feeling in that exact position of, you know, yes, I've got a, a cleft, but I don't feel for whatever reason that I belong so much in the organization, which, of course, from our perspective is is not true. Um, but it's really important to validate that is totally how people feel um, and that we've got some work to do to make sure that we are as inclusive as we, we seek to be. And I think that podcast... Um, it's certainly not the end of that work, but it's a really good start to to doing mm-hmm. that and making um, the isolated cleft palate population feel as much a part of the community as anybody else. Mm. Oh, thank you, everyone. That was all. Yeah, that was all really interesting. All of you had different different ones to talk about, which is really really nice as well. <laughs> so this next one, um, yeah. this next question is for you, Cherry. So one of the comments we've had back from a lovely listener is about skills and strengths you develop from being born with a cleft such as communication determination and resilience of going through surgery is there any other skills or strengths you can think of so in my experience of of working with many children young people and adults um that, that i've been told over and over again that being born with a cleft makes them who they are so people feel that they are who they are because of the adversity that they might have experienced growing up um, and being born with a a cleft. And parents often comment to me how strong and unwavering their children and young people are with dealing with all the challenges that life throws at them, um, from sort of babies bouncing back to to feeding after surgery, to, um, you know, the children from sort of seven onwards having their um, bone grafts and how they just take it in their stride. Um, Mm. And I remember talking to um, an adult locally um, 
and it was really useful actually for the, for the parents on the same group because he said the only thing that he really remembered about his surgeries as a child was ice cream and you know being really spoiled with nice food afterwards so you know that's quite interesting isn't it so and I think it's it's about helping the parents to make the journey seem as as kind of seamless and almost as 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 kind of part of their life um, for the children so that the children don't sort of tend to grow up thinking it's a big deal um, and also one of the the young adult volunteers who's worked with me a lot at several young people's events um, who actually herself as a as a young person came to clapper camps as they were then called said that that seeing the determination and the resilience of, of the young people doing activities such as, you know, abseiling or, um, you know, jumping off high um, towers and things like that actually really inspired her. And she, she came into volunteering because she wanted to give something back, but actually she wasn't expecting to get some, so much out of it herself. Um, so for me, that was just like really amazing to hear because mm. it was, you know, she was giving, but at the same time she was receiving. So that was lovely. Um, and mm. I think that's, that's quite useful to kind of sell volunteering in some ways to, to other people. Yeah, no, definitely. That, that's a really lovely story as well. And I think, um, yeah, people love to hear that as well on this podcast. So that was really nice. Thank you. And just to, to follow up on that as well, because I think we have spoken a lot about, you know, skills and, and strengths, which is, is mm. fantastic. Um, and just recognising that it is highly individualised as well and that we have, um, you know, a, a lot of people who um, interacted with us through the survey and, and roadshow. Um, who very much identify with that kind of sense of resilience and determination and things. But equally, um, on with the shoe on the other foot, we had a lot of people who said that doesn't necessarily describe them mm. particularly well. Um, and so just recognizing that for, for other people as well, they may feel the opposite. And, and that's, that's normal. That's a normal reaction to, you know, a situation such as cleft or which is, you know, in no small way, quite a challenge to, to go through. Um, and so just recognizing that, you know, we are here as well for people, regardless of their, their experience. And, um, you know, you, you can go onto our Facebook pages on, on any given day and you'll see examples of that, of people um, who feel that their, their cleft has been a really positive thing for them, as well as people who feel actually they would like to access further support and that, that support is available. Sure. Um, so, so thank you both for, for that. And I'm um, just reflecting now on the adults project overall, because it's been kind of um, coming up for three years now that we've had the, the adults project and we've kind of gone from um, the first year of collecting all, all the information through the survey and roadshow to kind of pulling that together. Um, you know, we've had our, our adults conferences, obviously the Cleft Talk podcast that we've run for a couple of years, um, the Leafers Pat trial. There's been a lot of different things that we've we've done here and there. Um, and I think it's quite reasonable to expect with kind of the new ways of working and things that are happening that um, the adults project will look a little bit different in the future um, and will of course continue to evolve with the times that we we find ourselves in um, but reflecting on the adults project so far are there any particular moments for for either of you that you can think of that particularly stood out and, and why and we'll we'll start with you Sherry for this one 
I don't think I'd really want to pinpoint any particular point as for me, the whole project has been amazing. Um, and I'm really pleased that we've done it. When I first started with Clapper about five years ago, I don't think we were that good engaging with a wide diverse group of, of adults. We, you know, we had a few adults that, that we kind of were in touch with. Um, and some of the activities we did were because we'd always done them or because we thought that's perhaps what adults born with a cleft wanted. So the survey for me is be, was a really good start because actually we were actually really asking the population what it is that they want rather than second guessing it, um, which, you know, is quite often being proved wrong. So I think that that's really important. And I really enjoyed being in, involved in the focus groups because that, that kind of was really useful to listen to what the community was saying and hearing from people in, you know, in a, in a variety of, of different areas. Um, and I'm sure for you, Kenny, going around the whole country, it must have been amazing. So, you know, to, to see people on their home turf as well, I think. Definitely. And I think people felt a lot more engaged with us through having done that rather than asking them to, to travel great distances. And I think felt a lot more comfortable. And I think we just really saw, I think what it really highlighted for me is the diversity within the CLEF population, um, that we obviously have to make sure that we're, we're catering for everybody. Um, and so it was really nice to see such a wide array of different views and experiences coming through um, at the Roadshow, which I think was interesting as well because it although it largely supplemented what we found in the survey um there definitely were some people who came to the roadshow or some people who just did the survey um who had slightly different experiences to each other so it was really valuable i think to have done um both of those things to really get get the picture rather than have just done one or the other how about for you nicola yeah, again, it's difficult to pinpoint a moment, isn't it? Because there were so there have been so many great ones. Um, you've done such an amazing job. I think for me, in a way, it was actually getting the funding to run the project in the first place, um, because it meant that there was an acknowledgement of the importance of support like this, not just in childhood, but you know, all the way through, really, um, into adulthood. Um, Kind of going back a few years, I uh, carried out a lot of interviews with adults who were born with cleft uh, as part of my PhD. And during that process, it became so clear to me that while there were many adults, as you mentioned, Kenny, who have coped really well with life challenges, others might still need support. And so following on from that work, this project has really helped to make sure that that support is now actually available in various different formats. And, you know, some of it's not just available to those in the UK, but also globally. Um, I guess as a researcher, you know, I can write as many papers as I like um, and publish them in academic journals all day. But the real impact and the positive changes happen when we partner with organisations like Clapper to take the research forward and to turn it into something tangible. And I think one of the things that's been really nice to see come out of this is because, as you say, Nicola, you have worked in this field for, for a long, long time and have done a lot of research in the area. But mm -hmm. it feels to, to me that the idea of cleft as a lifelong condition is becoming much more embedded, I think, in the healthcare system and kind of um, everybody accepts now that there are things that, you know, are likely to come up time and time again for people across the lifespan, irrespective of age. And I think 
if nothing else, it's been really nice to to play a part in getting that that recognition within the healthcare system of cleft as, as something that doesn't stop at 18 as one of your papers many years ago. Um, now, what do you think, you know, having kind of done everything that we've done so far, we've tried a few things, um, you know, things such as cleft talk, the conferences, the levers pack, and we've tried a few other things along the way. Um, what do you both feel are the most important things that have arisen out of the project that um, we must ensure continues as we go into the slightly different post-COVID world? I'll start with you, Nicola, this time. Yeah, Kenny, it's it's almost like you've taken the words out of my mouth because my answer kind of to this question really is that the most important thing to have come out of this project is the growing recognition that cleft is a lifelong condition and that adults need access to high quality information and treatment and support if they need it, no matter what age they are. And I think although the adult services project as we know it will be coming to an end in the new year, as you mentioned, many of those resources that you've created will remain. And I think that's a huge success story. The one that comes to mind most strongly is the Leavers Pack, because I think, as you say, um, one of the strong things to come out of my original PhD research was um, the fact that, you know, routine treatment comes to an end around the age of 18 and then adults go off into the world um, and they're kind of left to face it alone. Um, and I think what your work is doing, particularly with the Leavers Pack, is kind of giving them the resources that they might need to find their way back if and when they need to in the future. So as I said, I think that's a huge success story. I think you should be immensely proud of the project and everything you've achieved. Thank you, Nicola. And we certainly couldn't have done it without the partnership from um, the Centre for Appearance Research. So we're incredibly grateful for that. And of course, to you, Kerry, and the regional team at Claffer. Um, it wouldn't have been possible without you guys. Yeah, well, we've loved working with you. It's been, it's been great having somebody that we can go to to kind of because your source of knowledge has been um, endless really um, and I, you know for me I think doing the questionnaire really and and actually taking time with the questionnaire so it was done over a long period of time was kind of key because it's really important to have it done sort of so people actually had a physical pack but also it was done online as well so giving people you know from lots of different backgrounds the opportunity to contribute is really really important and for me that's kind of a legacy about what we should be doing within the organization and a lot of our stuff is actually taking our time to do an in-depth questionnaire be that you know online or be that physical copies um and you know in an ideal world in focus groups but actually now there's no reason why we can't do online focus groups so it's kind of given us that that kind of idea that actually this is this is all possible um, and I think sometimes in the past we've been in a rush to get projects up and running without actually getting all that detailed background information and maybe we need to sit back and take our time a bit more with the kind of the general research level of it because you've you know you've had such a wealth of information that's come from that survey that you've been able to publish all of those papers that you've done and that's you know that for us is given us a lot of information then to carry on the work that you've you know the adults project has started um, and make sure that we have services that adults actually really want for for a long time to come so 
for me that that's kind of really important um, and I think we need to continue to raise awareness and to communicate widely with adults as well um, you know we know people say to us all the time um, you know that that the reason they come to, to volunteer or want to be involved in, in Clapper is to raise awareness about cleft, what cleft is, because there's, you know, for such, you know, in relative terms, such a common condition, there's still a lot of people out there who've never heard of it, who don't know what it means, who, who might have heard the term, but actually don't really know that this is a lifelong condition for people. So, you know, there's still a lot of work to, to do. Um, and I think, again, in an online world, we've got a bit more opportunity now to actually spread that wider um, because everybody's working online. There's no reason why we can't we can't sort of get to, to various groups and do talks and do kind of awareness raising. No, I would completely agree. And it's something I think we've been very aware of from the start is making sure that we do whatever we can to engage with the people who are harder to reach and you're, you're absolutely right despite being a relatively common condition um it's little understood not only by the general population but as we found from doing our research often by the cleft population themselves they don't fully understand um you know the the implications of, of their condition and um i think one of the kind of sad things always with this sort of work is that you realize that perhaps the people who need you the most are the people who just won't find you um, and I think that's a continual goal that we we have to continue to work towards I mean it's been really fantastic that we have managed to reach some people who we we haven't before and I think you know certainly if I was um, to give any advice to other organizations who were looking at doing something similar I think like you were saying Sherry taking the time to really suss out what the need of the community is is really valuable in the long run and I think for for charities it, it's very tempting uh, you know that we all just want to help people to just dive right in um, on a hunch and kind of do what what we think the community needs um, rather than kind of stepping back and taking a bit longer to to be absolutely sure that what we're doing is what they want but I think um, you know we then reap the benefit of that later on which I, I think we certainly have in terms of engagement with things like the Leavers Pack, with the adults conferences and, and with, with Clef Talk. Um, and I think as well, just delivering the same information in a variety of different ways has been a real strength for us on, on this project. And having things like Clef Talk, uh, we're definitely reaching a different audience to um, the people who might want to come to a conference to get that information or the people who would prefer to read it on a website or in a Leavers Pack. Of course, there'll be some crossover and, you know, to the people who have um, engaged with all the different types of things that we've offered, you know, thank you very much. It's been um, amazing to have you on board and so engaged, um, but equally to the people who have engaged with, with just one thing, um, it's been really nice to have you on board in that way. And I hope that you've got as much out of it as, as we have. Um, and so, yeah, a big thank you really to everybody who's who's been involved with this. I feel that the community has really taken the ownership of this project, which is exactly what we wanted to, to happen. And I, I honestly think the community will ensure that it continues in some way, shape or form to deliver exactly what, what they need. Um, and they will hold us to account on that. And I, I think that's a really positive, positive thing. Um, and on that note, that brings us to the end of, of this panel discussion. Um, I hope that everybody has found it to be an interesting overview of the, the Adult Services Project. 
Um, although Clef Talk in its current form ends at this point, um, what we have managed to do is um, set up kind of multimedia um, podcasts and videos, you know, panel discussions um, in a wider way within Clapper, um, covering not only the adult stuff, but, um, you know, children and young people and families and all the things that um, apply to all sorts of different groups, which I think is a really positive thing. Um, and so you will see kind of panel discussions from, from Clapper continue. Um, if you're listening to this on the podcast stream, which most people will be, um, you will find from next year that those um, panel discussions that we generally do over Facebook Live with the whole organization, you'll also find the podcast audio in this stream. So you don't need to do anything other than, than keep listening and you'll find from early next year, you'll, you'll get your monthly notification of a, of a podcast. Um, but yeah, it's been fantastic to be a part of getting this, this off the ground. Um, obviously, if this discussion has made you wish to seek further support, then please do contact your CLEF team and request to see a psychologist or any other member of, of the CLEF team as you see fit. Um, you will find the details of your local CLEF team on our website or in your Leavers Pack if you've been one of the lucky few have, who have already got one of those. Um, if not, keep an eye out next year as um, there'll be a much wider rollout of those. Um, obviously, if you're already being seen by your CLEF team, feel free to talk with them about how to book an appointment with the psychologist or any other CLEF team members, where they'll be able to offer more information and discuss anything that we've discussed in much greater detail and more specific to you. Clapper is the community for all those affected by CLEF with any issue, so please don't hesitate to get in touch with us. Remember that you can access more information, listen again to this and other panel discussions on our website at www.clapper.com forward slash adult services project. Um, once again, I'd really like to thank um, our panelists, Nicholas Stock and Sherry Leroy for joining us for today's discussion. Um, it's been really great to have your insights and expertise, um, as well as a big thank you to you at home for joining us as well. Um, as we say, it's the final episode of Clef Talk in its current form, but do make sure to subscribe to the new Clapper Q&A panels that you find on Facebook Live and keep subscribed to this podcast feed, as I was saying before. You will likely see and hear from us again from time to time, um, but if you're getting a little bit sick of us, well, the good news is you will also meet some friendly new faces and voices as well. Um, and so once again, a huge thank you to everyone who's been part of Clef Talk, who's been part of the Adult Services Project over the last three years. It has been a lot of fun. I feel that we've made some really good progress um, and I look forward to us continuing that as an organization, um, albeit again with some new, new faces and voices to, to lend their support as well. Until then, take care. Bye for now. And a big thank you to all the listeners, especially as we've come to you from our homes over the last eight months or so, producing a podcast in such an environment um, has its challenges. Um, so thank you very much for sticking with us. Um, and here's to 2021 being a much more stable year from all of us at Clapper. We wish you a very Merry Christmas. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Clef Talk, brought to you by Clapper and proudly supported by the VTCT Foundation. We want to know what you thought of the programme so that we can make the next one even better. If you found this interesting, please make sure you subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or your favourite podcast player. Our next podcast is coming at the beginning of next month. Check out www.clapper.com forward slash cleftalk to find out what we'll be talking about next. We want your questions to take to the panel. 
Visit our panel discussion page on our website to submit your questions. You can also check out everything we're up to with the Adult Services Project, including a list of our upcoming programmes and events at www.clapper.com forward slash Adult Services Project. You also can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We look forward to talking to you again soon. <laughs>